I want to read to you some words from Romans 10. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Today we're going to um, continue in the, the context of the Streams of Living Water series that Vince has had us in. And we're going to pick up with the evangelical stream. I know that... Um, we look at Christianity as a holistic faith and holistic practice, but there's, there's a lot of different facets in it. Vince has referred to it as kind of like the love languages. Um, I've also heard it referred to as faith languages, but it's different ways in which we express our faith and express our Christianity and share it with others. And it goes from the contemplative stream of meditation and prayer and worship to the holiness stream one in which we try to, to live lives that are true to, the, true to the gospel, lives of goodwill, lives of trusting our hearts to God to be at work in us and, and grow us towards the person that he wants us to be, a progression of who we are as disciples. There's the charismatic stream with gifts and callings being celebrated and the diversity of those gifts and callings, each and every one of us is uniquely and wonderfully made. And each and every one of us has a stream that we are drawn to, and that's part of that gift of the Holy Spirit in that charismatic stream. And then there's social justice, which is not just in word, but in deed. It's when our words get feet and hands and when they step forward. Today we're going to talk about the evangelical stream, which is the word center life. And next week, Vince will be talking about the incarnational life, which is the manifestation of God in 3D. But today, um, as I mentioned, our focus is evangelical. And so let's start right there with what that word means. It, it truly means good message, good news. Have you ever heard anybody say, let me tell you something, I have good news for you. Um, this is not the good news that you hear at the Brad Paisley concert when he starts up with mud on the tires and says, I've got some good news. Now, you know why I don't sing. Um, but this is good news. This is good news that changes everything. Everything. This is news that you can't keep to yourself. This is the news that was at the very heart of early Methodism. John Wesley um, had, had a tradition behind him that led him to this too. Um, this stream focuses on the fact that Jesus Christ is alive and well, that the grave could not hold him, that he is resurrected, that he is the word, he is the living word in Christ. We have the living word, we have the written word in the Bible, and we have the spoken word, which is that which is preached or proclaimed, whether it's through words or lives. But when, when we go to Scripture, we see people that, that Wesley would have seen, people like Paul. And we heard Paul's story in the Philippians text that was read earlier and how 
as, as smart as he was, and he was a really smart guy, like he would have been at one of the Ivy League schools. He would have been like top of the class, the valedictorian, you know, that kind of person. And yet he said, all that I am is not enough. I am enough because of Christ in me. It is Christ's righteousness that is counted as, as mine. And it's a gift of faith. But Paul met Aquila and Priscilla in Corinth. They were refugees. They were being persecuted. Paul stayed with them for two years. They taught him. Team ministry was formed. Years later, along comes John and his brother, Charles. And they're um, from the 15th. John was the 15th of 19 children. Now, it was probably easy to get lost in that 19. I mean, we could take a section of us in here today. Can you imagine having 18 brothers or sisters? That's a crowded house. I don't think I would like that. But together, they grew up in a faith that was contagious. A faith that um, when John was just five years old and they had a house fire and he was saved, his family said, you know what, there's, there's a purpose for you. There's a calling for you, and we are going to trust God because God delivered you. And from that point on, their lives unfolded in ways that um, took part in the first great awakening. We don't have time to go into all of this, but from the first great awakening in the 1730s to their role in the Anglican church and the transformation into the Methodist church, which was a trans... Uh, a transformation of going from inward faith, which was the focus of the Anglican church, to an outward faith and a social holiness. Um, and the concept of the world being our parish. This is not something we can keep to ourselves. This is not something we can hold on to in our heart and just walk around and, and pretend nobody else needs or that it's ours and if we give it away, we lose it. This is... This is his concept, which is the basis for Methodist Church, and it began to express itself in itinerancy. And so you have pastors that still today go from, from church to church and proclaim the word. Many rode um, horses known as circuit riders. If you've been in confirmation, you've heard of circuit riders. Um, over the course of his ministry, John Wesley preached, 42,000 plus sermons. That's a lot of sermons. If you've ever sat down and written a sermon or a speech, you know how long it takes to do that. That's a lot of dedication. He wrote journals that describe his faith. He wrote um, texts that we still study today, that we still learn from, because he simply could not hold that good news to himself. And his brother Charles wrote hymns, many of which we know primarily at Christmas, but oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. It's, it's phenomenal the work that these two men did, all because they had good news. Why did they do it? Well, for John Wesley, there was an urgency. In Ezekiel 33, we are told it is our responsibility to tell others about Jesus. 
it's, 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 it's our responsibility to tell others about God in the context of Ezekiel, but we're going to transfer that to today and say that it is, it is our responsibility to tell others about Jesus, about the good news. If I have a $2 million check and it is made out to Melinda Jackson and I don't give it to you, does it do you any good? No, but if I give it, if I share this and I say, hey, I got this $2 million check for you, can you take it and do some good with it? And you probably would do a lot of good with it. Um, if I had a $2 million check for you, Neely, would you want me to give it to you? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I would want that. We have good news to tell that changes lives. It turns everything upside down and inside out and just says, you know, the world as you know it is different. There's a reason that firefighters run into buildings that are on fire. They know that there's something that they can offer. To live a word-centered life means we take the word, the good news, and we don't just simply live in it. We come to know it, and then we share it. It's, um, it's awesome to see how this unfolds in the life of our church. Um, we have a, um, a child who I think is in the room today who um, a few weeks ago during the Requiem, which was a little bit heavy, had heard the good news of Esther and, and decided that maybe the Requiem wasn't for them, but they would go to Esther and they knew the story. That story's on that child's heart now. They, they read it. They knew the characters. They got excited about it. I heard about this later on, and it just, it made me excited to see that regardless of what's going on, there's always a way we can tap in. It's like all these different streams. There's always a way we can tap into our faith and learn and grow. The good news of the gospel is we can live into the kingdom of God today. It's coming, and we don't know the fullness of what it is yet because we only see in part right now. But it is coming, and we can know the kingdom of God today because it's here. It's already in place. It's already forming, and it's growing every day, and it is available to every single person. There are um, a couple of things that this good news brings us. One is that we are a people of reconciliation. One of the things that I see on my parents' wall every time I go to their home is the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. Some of you probably know this. I'm going to read it. If you want to say it along with me, feel free. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. I'm going to read that again. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light.
Where there is sadness, joy. Those are powerful words. And they're true to the good news because where there is hatred, the good news of Jesus Christ can turn that into love. And where there's injury, there can be pardon and forgiveness. And where there's doubt, there can be faith. And where there's despair, there can be hope. And where there's darkness, there can be light. And where there is sadness, there can be joy unspeakable. All because of the good news of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 52, 7 talks about the good news that is brought and God's sovereignty and the fact that God reigns. And out of that good news comes serenity, peace, but also comes humility and compassion. When you step out to take the good news by serving and living out the word, When you go and you help feed somebody, when you go and you help clothe somebody, when you go and you help shelter somebody, you don't walk away all standing up proud, look what I've got. You walk away grateful for the opportunity to help your fellow man be in a better position in life. Because it doesn't doesn't matter who that person is, if they are hungry, if they are in need of clothing, if they are in need of shelter, if they are simply in need of being heard. The opportunity to step forward that we give comes out of the opportunity that God extended to us through Christ to be fed, to be clothed, to be sheltered and taken into his refuge, to be known and loved. I work with um, a a group here in town that is working to have some short and long-term needs met in terms of our homeless in our community. And one of the things that we've talked about most is how do we give dignity? You know, we're there. We want to give them good news in terms of helping them up with a hand in life. We want to empower them, but we also want to give them dignity. The good news of Jesus Christ tells us that we are loved. We are valued. We have worth. We are part of his creation. And if you can go to the beach and stand and look in awe at a sunset and feel the the majesty of that creation, then think about this. You are part of that creation. Marvel at what God has done in you, too. Not just that sunset at the beach. And it's incredible, but so are you. And he's placed a love in your heart and in your life that is a love for him, but is also a love for sharing the good news. Many of you um, have heard, and and, in my growing up, we heard it all the time, many of you have heard the footprints when where you, the man is the man has a dream and he sees two sets of footprints and then he sees one and he's walking on the beach and then he sees two more and he says, God, I don't understand it. You know, everything was good and there's two sets of footprints and then all of a sudden, and you know, you're walking with me. And then all of a sudden I go into this dark time and there's one set. You left me. 
And that's when God stops and he says, no, that's what I carried you. Before we accepted Christ, Christ accepted us. We talk about prevenient grace in the Methodist church. It's that stirring, that, that desire to know our creator, to know who he is, to know what he has in store for us. We can embrace a childlike faith, one that doesn't just come from persuasive words, but is embodied in 1 John, and that God is love. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Love is God. If you want to tell the good news, love people. It's so easy we stumble all over it. He died for us. That all the stuff that we've done that, that makes us sinners can be forgiven. And he rose again through the power of God because God said sin and death were not going to have the last word. And through the sacrifice of his son, he resurrected him. And he promises us those same things. Forgiveness, love, life. Tell your story. You're a light on a hill. You can't be hidden in the darkness. And preach the gospel. Use words if you have to. Jesus made sure to have a relationship with his disciples. And he made that commitment to make sure they knew the good news so they could go and tell because he knew he wouldn't necessarily be here always in the human form. He'd send his spirit to come, but he wanted them to know. And so he sat down with them at a table during the last week, Passover week. We'll celebrate that next week in the life of the church, starting with Palm Sunday. But at the supper that Thursday evening, as they celebrated Passover, he took bread and he broke it. And he thanked God for it. And then he told them, he said, this is my body, broken and given for you. Take and eat it as often as you can in remembrance of me. And he would take the cup and give thanks and he would tell them that it symbolized his blood of the new covenant. Because he had good news, everything was about to change. And so today we come to a table of love, even this day, thousands of years later. Because there's still good news to tell. And it's the same as it was that day. Will you pray with me? Father, we come before you this day in worship with our hearts open to you with what you want us to do with the words you want us to share with with the life you want us to live and we're here because of your son Jesus Christ because somebody shared that good news with us whether it was a vacation Bible school pastor or worker whether it was a friend whether it was a colleague it doesn't really matter Lord but we are here because we've heard the good news and there are people we know who haven't 
As we come to this table, we remember how you gave of yourself, and we celebrate the love and grace that you have for us. And we know that there are many left to hear. Lord, I ask that we would sit down at a table with them and have a meal, or simply walk with them when it's at the darkest time. Let us be vessels of good news that overflow and that spill out into the world. Prepare our hearts as we come to this table of grace this day and pour your spirit out on these gifts of grain and grape and on each person here. Amen.